Welcome to the Vets First podcast, a research-based conversation centered around the VA healthcare system, its services, and patients. From Iowa City, Iowa, here's your hosts, Dr. Levi Sowers and Brandon Ray. Welcome back to the Vets First podcast. I'm Dr. Levi Sowers, and with me as always is Brandon Ray. Hello, everyone. Today is our fifth episode, and we're going to be shifting gears a little bit to kidney transplants and uh, how the Iowa City VA healthcare system is one of the leaders in the United States for kidney transplants. Brandon's going to introduce you a little bit to, to what kidney disease is in the United States, um, how prevalent it is, and some of the stats surrounding that. Starting bare bones, what is a kidney? Uh, a kidney is an organ in your body whose job is to filter your blood. Uh, they remove waste and help your body control its fluid balance. Um, and when your kidneys don't work well, uh, water and waste will build up and cause uh, other health problems, including heart disease and high blood pressure. Chronic kidney disease affects uh, over 15% of U.S. adults, uh, which equates to about 37 million people. And nine out of 10 people don't really know that they have chronic kidney disease um, because one out of two people with very low kidney function uh, who are not on dialysis, so assisted blood filtering, uh, do not know that they have chronic kidney disease. Chronic kidney disease is more common in people um, 65 years or older, uh, roughly 38% relative to uh, 7% people in, in people ages uh, 18 to 44 years old. Uh, it's more common in women than in men, 15% to 12%. And chronic kidney disease is more common in non-Hispanic blacks, 16%, uh, than in non-Hispanic whites at 13%, or non-Hispanic Asians at 12%. We don't know why this is. It's probably due to genetic causes, um, but it's, it's something that you should take note of. Um, and in Hispanic population, about 14% of people have chronic kidney disease. So with chronic kidney disease, what are the risk factors? Um, diabetes and high blood pressure are the major causes of chronic kidney disease in adults. And other risk factors include um, heart disease, obesity, family history, aka genetics, as Levi alluded to, past damage to the kidneys in older age. Uh, and keeping kidneys healthy, healthy by managing your blood sugar and blood pressure is pretty key. There's multiple ways to prevent chronic kidney disease or detect it early. Uh, the main thing is that you need to control risk factors for kidney disease, such as high blood pressure uh, and high blood sugar levels. So uncontrolled diabetes is one of the number one causes for chronic kidney disease. And then, you know, keeping a healthy body weight through a balanced diet and physical activity uh, can help people with chronic kidney disease. And ultimately, testing for chronic kidney disease regularly in people who have diabetes, high blood pressure, or other risk factors uh, for chronic kidney disease is very important. Testing and treatment, you know, it's interesting because as you'll hear later on in episode seven with Dr. Christie, he talks about how people don't feel ill uh, or notice any symptoms uh, until chronic kidney disease is quite advanced. Uh, in fact, they start to get sick and that's how they know that they have it. And by that time, it's often very advanced. In terms of testing, the only way to find out if people have chronic kidney disease is through simple blood and urine tests. Uh, you can, they can determine through levels of different uh, uh, components in your blood that the kidneys aren't properly filtering what's needs to be filtered. Uh, and you know, you, you, they can detect waste products produced by muscles. The, um, they can test uh, urine for protein uh, as a sign of kidney damage. And uh, you know, ultimately, if chronic kidney disease is, goes unchecked, you end up with kidney failure. Uh, and that's when the, the kidneys are so damaged and they their, their function is so low that the person can no longer survive. These people often have to go on to dialysis uh, to maintain some semblance of a normal lifestyle. And so when people have kidney failure, 
they'll often need a transplant and before they receive a transplant they're going to need dialysis which you'll hear some of our uh, the people who we interview the veterans who we interview and the doctor we interview Dr. Christy Thomas will talk about this in the next three episodes. Facts about in-stage kidney disease or kidney failure is that in 2016, there were nearly 125,000 people in the United States that started treatment for it, and more than 726,000 were on dialysis in the United States or living with a kidney transplant, which is a huge number and really surprised me when we were doing some of the research for this. Every day in the United States, more than 240 people on dialysis die waiting for a kidney transplant. African-Americans are about three times more likely than whites to develop in-stage kidney disease. And for every three non-Hispanic who develop in-stage kidney disease or kidney failure, four Hispanics develop it. And in the United States, people who are 18 years older, um, diabetes and high blood pressure are really the main reported causes of end-stage kidney disease. With all these statistics and uh, information that we just sort of lobbed at you, the next three episodes, including, so this one including the next two after this, are going to be about kidney disease and, and the transplant process here uh, at the Iowa City VA. And what's interesting is that in the last half of this episode, you're going to hear from two people. Uh, one of them is Alicia Scott, who is the caretaker for uh, a veteran named Jan Scott. And it will, so we're going to get her perspective on what it's like for a caretaker to interact with a veteran that is in end-stage kidney, kidney disease. Um, Jan received a kidney transplant, and so he's post-operation. Our second guest is Rob, who's received a kidney transplant at the VA, and tells us about his experiences, uh, particularly with dialysis, and how this new kidney transplant has changed his life. Welcome back to the Vets First Podcast. Today we have Alicia Scott with us. She's a caregiver for Jan Scott, and they come to us from Kokomo, Indiana, and they're here. Uh, to be part of the kidney transplant program at the University of Iowa that it has with the VA. Uh, there's a collaboration there. Alicia, can you tell us a little bit about your husband's service? Um, he was in from, he served for four years, and he was a cook, and he served at, in Louisiana, at a base in Louisiana. Okay. Um, he didn't go to Vietnam. He was in during the Vietnam era. Okay. But he didn't go. So did he serve for a long time or a short time? Or? Just four years. Just four years? Yes. Okay. And so um, when he got out, so he never was in a combat situation, but when he got out, um, did he always get his health care through the VA? No. No? He okay. Not. He was a firefighter for the city of Kokomo for 20 years, and he had awesome insurance through them. Okay. When he went into renal failure and needed a transplant, mm -hmm. a friend of his who went through the VA said, you should check out the VA because they have a kidney transplant program also. So uh, um, how did he start to know that he needed a transplant? What what happened? Oh, he's had, um, he's had renal failure for years. Oh, wow. Okay. And it just, they kept saying, you know, you're at, 10%, you're at 6%, and finally I said, so when can he, you know, like, get a transplant if he needs to actually start on dialysis first? And when he got put on dialysis, he got put on the transplant list, mm -hmm. and he was on dialysis for four years. Oh, wow. Before we got the kidney. 
Okay, so how did he end up choosing the VA for the kidney transplant? They were the ones that got the kidney first. <laughs> oh, really? They okay. Were the ones that we were set up through IU in Indiana uh-huh. and through the VA there in Indiana, but um, they do the transplants here in Iowa. Yeah. The kidney transplant. Yeah. So um, we came for a week. He got evaluated. He was okay. I think we were on the list for two years. Oh, wow. Or he was on the list for two years. And we got the phone call, the real phone call, because we got two others that didn't turn out. But So can you kind of explain to us what's that, what, is, what is that like? So your, your husband's on um, uh, dialysis for how long was it? Four years? Four years, long? three times a week three times a week for four years. And like, that's probably, I don't, I don't know much about dialysis, but it's probably a semi-precarious situation. Yeah. He would go, he would go to dialysis side. He'd get there at five o'clock in the morning and get him about noon. And then he would sleep all day. So, so it like physically drained him? Physically drained him. And then the next day he would, I mean, if it was like a Friday, Saturday, he would be good. But by Sunday, he felt like he felt bad again. He started getting sick because again. Because he needed the dialysis to clear yeah. the toxins. And then Monday, he felt bad because he had dialysis. And so, like, you know, maybe two or three days a week. Where he actually, he felt, actually felt, good. felt good. Man, and he did that for four years. Four years. Oh, that's crazy. So, so uh, what was it like when you first got that call about a kidney? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well... The two before, we got one call, and we never actually went anywhere. They called us before Mm -hmm. and told us, never mind. And then we were at the airport in Kokomo, and they were watching the plane come across the Indiana State Line and turn around. Oh, Oh, man. And we, like, within seconds, his phone rang and said that the kidney wasn't usable. So those times were just like... I mean, very emotional, crushing. Yeah. And then when we got the kidney, they called, and they're like, "Okay, you know, get your stuff ready. We'll let you know your flight information and stuff." And it was just like, you know, you rush and you rush and you rush and you're all excited. And then, I, I mean, I just don't know how to explain it. It was just so much emotions, just. Like the flight here was, oh my god! So you're you're excited, but is it also a little scary? Yes. Because your scary. husband's about to have major surgery. Yes. Major surgery, yeah. Major. And then we got here, and the cab brought us from Cedar Rapids to Iowa City. We got to the hospital. They took our luggage and they put it down in the laundry area, and we stayed overnight. And then the next morning. They were, they said, 10 o'clock for the surgery. 10 came. And, like, that was just really stressing me out. Mm-hmm. And, like, an hour and a half later, they came in. They're like, okay, we're ready. We're going. Like, okay. And then the doctor told me to go to the hotel, take a nap. Like, <laughs> it's like, are you crazy? I'm not going to take a nap on my husband. Very easy to do. So I ended up going back to the hotel with another lady who was staying there whose husband got a kidney transplant. And we went for like a four-hour walk. Oh, wow. And I was in constant contact with the hospital. You know, is he okay? Yeah, he's still in surgery. And I actually got back before he got out. And But 
everyone here is amazing. Like as far as the staff, yeah, they are amazing. Okay. They cool. took so such good care of my husband and me, you know, emotionally and supporting and everything yeah. like that. It was great. So once the surgery was over, um, was he? Did he immediately feel better? Does it take a while for the kidney to to? Yeah, you have to wait. It has to wake up. Some people's wake up like that. His took five days. Oh wow! To wake up because five. it's like in shock. Yeah. And so it doesn't do anything. He didn't have to have another round of dialysis. They were getting ready to put him on dialysis. So not only is it this huge buildup of like, oh my God, are we ever gonna get a kidney? But after it's in, is it gonna work? Yes. Oh man, that's right. It's got to be very intense. It was very, very stressful. So when it when it started working, did was it like a a quick switch or is it? Yeah, I mean he felt better quickly. But one thing about my husband is, we were here for five weeks in Iowa. Yeah. And then two weeks after we got him home, he had a heart attack. Oh, my gosh. So, like, the time that we were here, he was having trouble with, like, shortness of breath and stuff oh, like that. Oh, jeez. They just didn't catch the heart issues here. Yeah. Until we got him home to our VA. But, and he got that taken care of at our local VA. And they're wonderful there, too. <laughs> I just, so, uh, yeah, so overall, you've had a pretty good experience at the VA yes. and what's going on here. Yes. Well, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say about the experience or, or what? Like ongoing afterwards? Yeah. How we've, um, yeah. How long ago did he get his kidney? Three years. Three years. Wow. The 24th. We thought it was the 19th, but it's the 24th. It's his three-year day. Of April? Of April. Oh, wow. That's so, really cool. So it's we're coming right up, like yeah. next week. Yep, this is our three-year checkup. <laughs> and so since then, has he has he been pretty good physically? Like, um, yes. Yes, yes, after he had the heart attack and we got all that yeah. stuff taken care of. And yes, he's starting to get back into the swing of things. Oh, fantastic. But Having a full week, no dialysis? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm just now I'm trying to get him to get a job. <laughs> you don't have to work for years. I'm not asked. Just get out of the house. I'm, I'm hearing a sigh from somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> he's itching his nose somewhere. Having a sneeze. Well, that's fantastic. Well, Alicia, thank you so much for spending uh, a little bit of time with us and telling your story and and uh, Jan's story. And um, yeah, uh, thank you for listening today, everyone. You just heard from Alicia Scott, and now we're going to hear from Rob Sewick. Today we have Rob Sewick from Mansfield, Ohio. Uh, he came to Iowa City, as the other uh, kidney transplant people have done, uh, to get his kidney transplant through the VA. Uh, he served in the Army from 1987 to 1989 in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And uh, welcome, Rob. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks for coming, man. Thanks for telling us your story. Yes, sir. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about how you decided to join the military and why? Okay, I was, when I was a senior in high school, I was kind of the kid that, you know, I didn't like school. I was a really good student. I was an A student, B student, but I wasn't into school. You know, my parents want you to go to college and everything. And I thought, that's not for me. I need a little discipline in my life. So I, before I was, I wasn't even 18 yet. I was 17 when I signed up to join the military. And 
I'll be honest, it's the best thing that ever happened in my life. That's cool, yeah. A little discipline. You know, I've always respected veterans uh, all my life. You know, my dad was a Marine, you know, four years, and I just have always... Did, did you grow up in Mansfield, Ohio? Yes. Okay. Born and raised, Mansfield, awesome. Ohio. Yeah, man. That's cool. So, why did you choose the Army? Uh, no particular reason. I just, yeah. you know, one thing is, uh, at that time, I could join for two three, four years, because oh, wow. I thought it's just something, you know, a lot of other branches, you had to join for four years, and I, at the time, I thought, ah, I don't know if this is going to be for me, hmm. um, but the the two-year thing, you know, I went to see a recruiter, and it, it just went well, I mean, it re went really well, who the recruiter now is still lives in Mansfield, and he's a really good friend of mine. Still. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So, uh, what'd you do in the military? I did supply, 76 supply? Yankee, I okay. was a supply. Sweet. Sweet. So you did a two-year stint, and then uh, you got out of the military, and did you immediately start using the VA for healthcare? Or did well, you... I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was in the military, about oh, wow. okay. three, four months before I was going to get out. Type from... 2 diabetes? No, type 1. Type 1? Wow. Yes. So just... uh, That's late. Insulin dependent, yes. That's impressive. I was 19. It was like May of 1989, and my uh, ETA date was August 31st of 1989. So they, you know, I, I could stay in, which I did until then, and then I did my time. But when I first got out, they had me sign up for, for benefits because they said I was 20%, considered 20% disabled. Because, because of, of my, diabetes. because of contracting the diabetes when I was in the military. So you got 20% service connected? Yes, service connected. Through and the VA. so through the <clears throat> VA, so that. So when I got out, I could I could automatically start going. Now at that time, Mansfield didn't have a clinic like an outpatient clinic, mm -hmm. so I had to drive to either Columbus or Cleveland, which is an hour away. Okay. And I I did that. I mean, okay. they they took care of all my care with anything related to my diabetes. Oh, that's fantastic. So did you have a good experience with that? Oh, it was fantastic. They they've always you know when I first started going there, it just seemed like it was a lot busier then because there wasn't as many places to go. Um, but I've never, I'll be the one guy probably that you, you talk to that has never had a complaint ever about anything with the VA. Mm, fantastic. Because we, we like to hear that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I understand how it is. I've And don't get me wrong, because I've seen people complain. I've yeah, seen for specials sure. on TV, and I've seen it, and that has never been my experience ever okay. to any place I've ever been, Okay. especially here. This has been. Yeah. Iowa City's got a really good VA, yeah, I think. It yeah, is no. fantastic. So when uh, did you... You're here for a kidney transplant, or, or you did get a mm -hmm. kidney transplant. I actually got a kidney pancreas transplant. Oh, you got the double one, too. Yes, oh, I got okay. the double transplant. Okay. That's something I'm, I want, I'm curious about. Why, why is it yeah, the is double transplant? Because, uh, well, I, I've read up on it, but sure. at first, well, I didn't know. I'd like know, to hear from a patient. I didn't know. It, or, what had happened is I got sick with the flu. Oh. And, and How long ago was this? That was uh, 2017, January. Okay. You know, I had gone through all the care with the VA for, you know, 30 years here. Um, well, about 20, 28 years. And then, you know, I've been going to the VA, all my treatments, all my doctor appointments. I got sick with the flu. Well, dumb me, I'll be honest, I was a dummy. I didn't go to the doctor right away. So I got really sick at home. And I was puking up blood because I puked so much I tore my esophagus. Yeah. So I got dehydrated. So my kidneys weren't the best to begin with because of being... 30 years diabetic. Diabetic, yeah. But they were still functioning okay. Yeah. Then when I uh, got sick, I got dehydrated. 
and I was in ICU for six days because I had tore that esophagus and I was puking blood and I didn't know it was blood. I just thought it was dark vile. Yeah. So after I'd gotten out of the hospital there, I went to the VA and they told me that my kidneys were failing. They were 10%, you know, somewhere sure. around that. So were you feeling pretty crummy at that time? Uh, like I wasn't feeling great, but I, I didn't think it was that bad. So I went back to work and about two weeks later, I started to get some swelling in my ankles, swelling in my legs. And the VA doctor called me and said, you need to get to the VA hospital right away. Oh, wow. And so I went to the VA hospital and the next day they put me on dialysis, said my kidneys were at about 5%. What was that like? Uh, well, at first it's kind of a shock to you because you're, you know, I'd heard horror stories about dialysis, kidney yeah. dialysis. Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't really know a lot about it, but I knew that it, it's what it is. I mean, it, to, to save my life, I had to do dialysis. Yeah. There. So they put me on dialysis and, you know, I've, you know, I was in the hospital about a, about three or four days, and then they sent me home and said, you're going to have to do dialysis three days a week. And you got a fistula? Yep. I still have it in me. You know, oh, wow. I still have my fistula in my arm. I didn't get that for about three or four months after I started dialysis. It took a while. You know, you got to do a lot of tests. And... When this first happened, were you scared? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. I got a pretty good support group with my, my dad and my stepmom. Uh, you know, they lived down the street from me, and they've been pretty good about, you know, and I know, I honestly know a few people, like my one of my best friends, his girlfriend, his fiance now, she's, she had a kidney transplant about 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. And she was fantastic at talking to me about it. And then I had, uh, there's a guy, I coach baseball, high school baseball, and there's a guy that coaches high school softball, girls softball. He's had two kidney transplants. So I talked to him a lot. Mm-hmm. And it really helped. You know, I was scared at first, but once I talked to them, they're like, you know, it is what it is. You know, you can't. And I, I try to tell people this, too. I've had I had a really good friend of mine that I worked with, a lady, and she's a little older than me. And her mom, they had told her she needed to do dialysis. She refused. Well, guess what? She died. Yeah. So it kind of, you know, it hits me yeah. that I know what's going on with that. So I was scared, but then, I, again, I was like, I've got to do this to live. For sure. And then right after that... The, the doctors at the VA outpatient in, in Cleveland, Ohio, at the Lewis Stokes VA Center, they started talking about transplant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, first they were just talking kidney transplant. And then they started talking about kidney pancreas transplant. And, you know, I was all in. I mean, I, to me, to save my life, to change my life, I was all in. Because they, you know, you come to some doctors or surgeons and they say, do you want to get a transplant? And... For quality of life, yes. And they've told me, well, there are people that actually qualify for a transplant that didn't want to get one. Hmm. And I just, I didn't understand it. Yeah. But they told me some stories about it. And I'm like, they said, this is the best. I came out to the University of Iowa in April of 2018 for an evaluation mm-hmm. to go through all these tests and everything. I've About a year ago. Yeah. 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 So I went, went through a bunch of tests. I mean, millions of tests. But I came out here when I met with the surgeons at the University of Iowa who did the surgery. They actually told me that they had a guy one time that qualified for a transplant. He was older, maybe in his 50s, maybe close to 60. But he said that he didn't want a transplant because he liked to go to dialysis to socialize. Hmm. And I was kind of shocked because I thought, 
get a transplant, go up there and socialize after, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, and I know it's, it's not, it, it really isn't for everybody because it is, it's, it's a major surgery. And I know some people can't go through and you have to go through a lot of tests and you have to be healthy. Can't have cancer. You can't have other things, you know, diseases. Yeah. You know, I, I probably went through 50 or 60 different tests. between. Wow. What was it like to be on dialysis? You know, for some people it's different. For me, it wasn't bad. It's just time consuming. Because yeah. I was going four hours and 15 yeah. minutes. So by the time you go in and get hooked up, by the time they get you off and you're, you you get everything ready, because I used to have trouble with low blood pressure because it takes all the fluids out of you mm-hmm. that you that you put on, you know, you're there five, five and a half hours. So it makes how it often tough. No, how often? Three days a week. Three days a week. And I was going every, I was going every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Now, when I was working before I got on disability, when I was working, I was going to work from 3.30 in the morning to 11.30 in the morning. And then at noon, I was going from di- to dialysis until about 4.30. And then a lot of times I'd go to the school, like I, not during baseball season, but like during football and soccer and basketball season, I'd run the clock. So I'd go there for, you know, three or four hours. So it, it, it was pretty rough. It was, it didn't really wear me down as far as the dialysis it just you just don't have the energy you did now i know some people when they do dialysis a lot of friends i have a lot of friends still when they do it i mean it really bangs them up man they're when they get done there's not a lot they can do go home take a nap you know a lot of times i'd go when i was working i'd go there and as soon as they'd hook me up i'd fall asleep because i was retired from working and all that then after I got on disability, which was around November 1st of 2017, because mm-hmm. I remember vaguely, or I really remember because my daughter got married in October, end of October in Florida in 2017. I had to go down there even when I went to Florida to do dialysis. And then I was down there about three weeks, you know, for a wedding and everything. And it, you know, it was okay. But after that, I started disability and I, I quit working because it was just too much. Mm-hmm. And... You know, so then I start doing dialysis Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays at five o'clock in the morning. So I was done by 10 o'clock and gave me more time to recover. And then, you know, with the stuff at the school I do. So, sure. So, uh, how long were you on the transplant list? Actually about two days. <laughs> You're the second person. So yeah. the guy before us was on there for six. Yeah. Two days. <laughs> uh, Officially, they had told me that there's a good chance. I came out here in April and she said, it's a good chance. I did all the tests. I kept doing everything they said. Um, I actually got a call from Dawn here. And she said, she's like a coordinator here. And she said, she called me like on a Thursday or Friday. They had called me from Cleveland and the lady said, you have been put on the list. I think it was Thursday. And Dawn called me on a Friday and she said, I don't know if you've heard yet, but you've been put on the list. I hadn't even got paperwork yet because they send you paperwork and everything. And they called me on Saturday, Saturday evening and told me there's a great at eight o'clock and said, there's a great possibility. She said, Dawn called me and said, you're second in line. There's a great possibility you could get a call. That gets you off guard? Well, yeah, because I called my dad. And, you know, because it's one of them where, you you know, I'd been preparing for it. I got stuff packed myself. But my dad had to come with me because he was my support person. Yeah. And I called him at 8 o'clock, and I said, there's a good possibility you could get a call sometime soon. And he said, okay, I'll pack tomorrow. <laughs> well, Dawn called me back at midnight, and she said, they are picking you up in Mansfield. Mansfield's a small city. Yeah. We don't have a great big airport, so we don't have, a, like, a big hub or anything. Sure. 
only the small flights. It's a air air guard base there. Yeah. So she said, there will be a plane picking you up at 3 o'clock in the morning in Mansfield <laughs> to pick you up. And I called my dad. I said, he's like, okay, I got to get everything ready. You know, right? And what happened is my daughter-in-law came and picked me up. So this is your, you got to call it midnight. Yes. And you're like, I got to be on a plane at 3. 3, 3 a.m. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, it, and it ended up being about by the time the plane got there and left and everything. It was about 4 a.m. by the time we flew out. We flew directly from Mansfield What's on a, a small medical airplane. Okay. Yeah. It was like three seats and a cot and then the pilot and you know it's just me and my dad and the pilot when we we came out and is it a is it a propeller plane or is it a jet no it's a propeller, propeller plane. that's it, cool it's yeah. a small it was a small small plane but you know my dad was scared to death because yeah. now i have a brother-in-law who he, he flies ultralight so yeah. we had asked because when we got on the plane was the funniest thing you know we're flying out it was cold in yeah. october there's a little bit of ice and you know it was we were going great but the guy, the the pilot, starts looking at the wings with a little flashlight while he's flying, and he's looking at the Make sure there's no things. ice. <laughs> yeah, and, and I kept thinking, you know, my dad's scared to death. You know, he, he's flown a million times, but he he was kind of scared to death. Me, I had headphones on. I was listening to my phone, yeah. listening to music, kind of relaxing. Yeah, and, and uh, he said, the, and I asked, you know, I told my brother-in-law about this when I got back, and he said, the reason they do that is because them small planes, they don't want to use the battery. Because the battery has something to do with all the insurance sure. and all, so he told me. He said, "Yeah, a lot of a lot of pilots do that. They they look at it that way, and it made sense once once they did yeah, it." Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, so I was on for two days. Oh wow! wow. <laughs> and so you got to you got to Iowa. Mm -hmm. um, came to the VA here, and uh, you were a match, apparently. Well, actually, she had told me I was a match. Oh, okay. On so the already, phone. You so that's why that. I flew out here. Oh, that's wow. why they flew me out because okay. I'm a match. Uh, I was a. Were you nervous? Uh. I was a little nervous, but I was anxious. Yeah. You know, I didn't come over here to the VA. They sent me directly to the University of Iowa Hospital and and prepped me, which is a great thing because my what had happened is, you know, they the VA only fly you and your support person out. Well, my stepmom, my, da my dad's wife, they what she did was she drove out, and she actually got here before I went into surgery. I didn't go into surgery until about maybe 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the evening, which was yeah. – it worked out great. It, it – you know, because she wanted to be here and everything, and she had, you know, she had to drive out, and she had to get stuff ready, you know. So, so uh, um, you got your surgery, and it went well? Yeah, yeah, it went, went extremely well to begin with. I, you know, I had little complications, like when I when I first got out of ICU, I had some, some problems with feeling dizzy and all that, and they discharged me from the hospital in like four days. Yeah. And actually, they had told me, you know, they had told me some symptoms to watch out for, like uh, like if I was bleeding because they connect the pancreas and the sure. your intestines and you know the stuff like that. Um, they said if you have look like you have blood when you when you go to the bathroom, you know, in your stool, you should should watch out for that. Well, when I went to the when we went to the hotel, they said near the hotel here. Um, I went to the hotel and I it was about middle of the night. And I said I've got some problems. Yeah. So. They, what they did is my dad and stepmom brought me right to the emergency room here at the VA mm -hmm. and they sent me back over and I had to stay in the hospital for another. They had said that sometimes with, when you have that surgery, there'll be a little excess bleeding, you know, where they've connected the, sure. the pancreas or the kidney. And what happens is it, you'll bleed out. Well, what they wanted to make sure is when I, and, and they didn't really change anything, it'll heal itself. And it did, mm. you know, so I was over in the hospital another three four days so your kidney woke up 
The kidney woke up pretty quick. Oh, yeah, yeah. The kidney automatically just... Yeah. Uh, and the, the pancreas did, too. They were working great. You know, they were fantastic. So Once did they you put feel in, different already? Like, uh, No, because I had you know, I had tubes down my pain, throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I'll be honest, I wasn't in pain. I wasn't oh, in a lot okay. of pain. Yeah. You know, it was just... Uh, you know, it's it just kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, but, for sure. you know, because I had staples down the front of me where they put it. Yeah. But it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was pain, pain. And then I had one time where they had me, put me on like a liquid diet and I drank some uh, like vegetable broth mm-hmm. and it kind of made me sick and I was really sick oh, with that. Yeah. But other than that, I, you know, the, the care at the University of Iowa was fantastic. Surgeons were... I got to tell you a funny story about the surgery. Sure, okay. Because yeah. you don't know... You Like, when you're in surgery, you don't know. Yeah. But when I when I first got prepped, and then they took me into surgery at 4.35 o'clock, they, they wheel you in, and they put you on the operating table, and they're prepping you with all the stuff and hooking you up. And the surgeon, which... The, the guy who's doing the surgery, he's over, standing over here, and he looks over at me, and he goes... This is your kidney in your pancreas. And he was doing like this. And he was playing with it because oh. they do something with it with some fluids and stuff sure. they did. And I just went, didn't really want to see that. <laughs> and I looked at the nurse that was standing there and they were hooking all the stuff. Yeah. I go, go ahead and knock me out. <laughs> so I was like, I, I've seen enough. Go ahead and knock I me out. I could have taken your word for now, it. Now, like I said, I wasn't nerd. I was more anxious to get it yeah. done because, I've, you know, I lived my life as a diabetic for 30 years. I've taken yeah. four shots of insulin for 30 years, yeah, you know, so, and I'm like, it, it, and they had told me it's going to be life changing. If everything works out, it's going to be life changing. So how long after the surgery did you really start to feel better and uh, notice yeah, the change? How did the new pancreas work for you? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I've, I've honestly, I, you know, they told me here the last time I was here for the three month checkup that you only need to check your blood sugar every couple days or yeah. a week. Yeah. I, I still check it every morning when yeah. I get up. And the highest it's been ever since I had the surgery was 120, which is still good. Yeah, yeah. But in the last month, the highest it's been was 102. Oh wow! Yeah. And it's That's it's really fantastic with that. It's it like I said, it's been and don't get me wrong, I don't go out and eat donuts and you know I'm not I'm, because 30 years of eating, I just you know it was a different diet from having dialysis because there's a lot of stuff you can't eat doing dialysis that you can regularly you know like i was a big salad eater before i started dialysis you can't eat that because mm. all the vegetables retain water mm-hmm. and they make your body retain water and when you retain water when you do dialysis the more you put on the worse it is taking it off you cramp a lot but once you know nope I, I i would say feeling like better better it took about three weeks three and a half weeks when i went home i I, I, I was here about almost four weeks before I left. And I, what happened is my dad and stepmom drove home. I flew home. Mm-hmm. And the guy that coached baseball with our head coach, he picked me up at the airport. But when I got back that night, I started, and my parents weren't even back yet. I felt, I started to feel terrible. I started getting a little diarrhea, started throwing up. Just, you know, I was trying to drink water and doing stuff like what What had happened and what they told me when I, and what I did was I called my son, who's, my son's 26. And I called him and I said, you got to take me to the hospital, to, to the VA hospital. It's about an hour away. So I, he said, no problem. You know, he knew I'd just come home. I went up there. They said I had had like some of the medicines that takes a long time with the anti-rejection, the mm-hmm. other medicines you give me. It's kind of having a reaction to it. So I was having the diarrhea. I was having the throwing up. But I stayed in the hospital. This was over Thanksgiving. 
I was I was in the hospital last year. Yes, yeah. yeah, 2018. After I had the surgery the 21st, I went in the hospital like the 17th of November, and I left the 25th, 26th. Mm-hmm. But I was there during Thanksgiving, which was the greatest thing. I, you know, I had to, you know, they got the medicines straightened out, so everything was back to normal, and I felt great. And I've honestly, knock on wood, I haven't yeah. had any trouble, none since. Really cool. Yeah, I, you know, I watch. Like, I've got a granddaughter's two years, and I watch her a couple times a week, sometimes once a week, sometimes twice. But if she's sick, my daughter-in-law and my son know that I can't babysit. I can't get sick. So they know if something's wrong with her, I can't come over. Yeah, for sure. So I've done a good job of that. You know, I haven't, knock on wood, haven't gotten sick yet. So, And I'm around a lot of kids at baseball, So and and when I'm at basketball, I just try to be careful. I don't. Yeah, wash your hands a lot and everything. Yeah, so, but the care was just here was fantastic you know when i was here in the hotel i had to come a couple every other day give blood you know yeah same now i still give a lot of blood work i was doing twice a week when i first you know had my surgery after three months i went once a week now i'm going to start twice or every two weeks now oh wow and i haven't had i've had like one thing you know they'll raise something like a medicine one of my anti-rejection medicines they'll raise it up a little bit or they'll lower it but other than that most everything has been Life changing. It it is. It's been a life changer for me, and you know. So, can I ask a question? I haven't asked the other patients yet. Um, What does it feel like to get another person's organs? Uh, you know, it's you're happy for yourself, but you got to remember, like with a kidney pancreas, somebody has passed away. Yeah. And it's it's really tough. They give you a packet here to write a card and say whether you want, you know, the family can contact you, which I did. I wanted, I wrote that letter. I actually cried. I, I'm not one to cry a lot. Yeah. It, I wrote that before I left to, to, to go home from here, to go back to Ohio. I, you know, they give you a card to write on and they give you some ideas of what to say. You know, you don't say a lot about your last name and stuff like that. You just, you know, you just kind of, and I just, you know, I, I, I'm very thankful that people out there, cause I, be honest, I, you know, I was, when I was a kid, you know, when I first got my driver's license, I was an organ donor. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, you know, and I, I tell a lot of people that now, if you're healthy, you should oh, yeah. be an organ donor. Yeah, I'm an organ donor. Um, it, it really, you know, but then again, you think, man, somebody passed away. Yeah. You know, and they tell you who it is, not the name. They tell you, you know, like my, the, the, the young man, cause he was young compared to me, you know, I'll be off 50 this year. Um, he was 25 years old and he died. They didn't tell me how he died, but he died in Colorado, mm-hmm. you know, and then they, they tell you that much. And then, you know, I, I sent that card, you know, and like I said, I, do you ever get the chance to meet the family? Well, or? you can, if they want to meet you first, they okay. goes through the, they, I sent the information to the, is that something you'd be interested in doing? I'm oh yes, very definitely. I, I, I am so thankful. You don't, you guys just don't know how, how life changes. I can't, no, I can't, I can't. No, people don't know. And and like I said, I've known a lot of people that have like people that I know close to me that have had transplants and it's now the one girl, you know, my, my friend's fiance, she got it from her brother. Mm -hmm. She got her kidney from her brother. So that's, you know, and and actually my sister, when I first got diagnosed with the the kidney problems, my sister wanted to get tested and she got tested, but she wasn't a match. Mm -hmm. So I've got another sister, but she's not, the greatest of health. So I didn't even yeah, say anything to her. Sure. She, and I haven't seen her. I don't see her very often. So, you know, I understand how that is. And, but it's, it's, you know, you're, 
if they ever came to me and said they would love for me to come in, I'd, I'd go in a minute. I, I would really want to thank them um, because, first of all, their son was an organ donor. So yeah. they've taught him. They have actually taught him well. Mm-hmm. You know, not just because I'm a veteran. You know, because yeah. I, I see this everywhere. You know, yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, I, I'll be honest. I go to breakfast every morning about the same time every morning. And I sit with a lot of guys at the restaurant. I go to the same restaurant <laughs> and cool. I sit with a lot of older guys that are veterans from, you know, whether it be Vietnam, you know, some of them are Korean war and I sit and talk to them and it is the most fantastic thing in the world. You know, I just, I, I, that's just how it is. I, you know, not just cause they're veterans, they are great to talk to. They enjoy talking about their service. And I, I really like that. But, Something like this, you know, I would love to do it. I would, I'd be the first to say, yeah, I would, I'd jump on a plane right now and go out there. And, <laughs> yeah, that's and really cool. And, and, yeah. and just to thank them personally. Yeah, absolutely. And people don't, people don't know if you've never had through it, but it's, you know, it is tough, you know. Okay. Well, uh, Rob, thank you so much for talking to us today, man. It's really uh, great to hear your story and, um, yeah, thank you. I appreciate you guys, and I appreciate it. Like I said, I appreciate everything that the, the VA does for me personally and for everybody. I mean, like I said, I've seen horror stories that people say, and I'm like, that's never happened to me. They've been, it's nothing's ever perfect, but it's no, it, and it's but not it's good to hear the good things. And it's yeah, and 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 people should hear that yeah, because yeah, it is, you know, they did serve our country, and they have, you know, most. Had, we have a moral obligation. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> and then and just, you know, I like I said, I, they've never done, I even from day one, they've been fantastic to me. I've never had a problem. And I'd be the first, you know, if somebody said, never had a problem. Ever. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been so great. Cool. That's good to hear. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone. This concludes today's Vets First podcast. For questions or comments relating to the program, please direct email correspondence to vetsfirstpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.